Welcome to episode six of the AV Geeks Assemble podcast. I'm Andrew and I am once again your host for this week. In this episode, we have another very special guest joining us to talk all things photography, aviation and fitness, both physical and mental. Um, a new aspect onto the podcast, uh, which is quite nice. Um, but before we do get to the main event, we have to firstly thank everyone once again for the amazing support and overwhelming positive feedback that we just continue to receive after each episode. It really does make it worthwhile. So thank you. Um, your, your DMs, your texts, everything, getting in contact with us individually or as a group, fantastic. So thank you. If you haven't heard any of our podcasts before, then please go back and give them a listen on either YouTube or Spotify. And if we can be cheeky, please share it with your friends and groups on social media, especially if you think it's something that you will enjoy. So with me to speak with our special guest this week are Ben. Hello. And Andy. Oh, how are you today, gents? You all right? Yeah, not too bad. Glad it's uh, glad it's that Friday feeling. It is. Here we are again. Andy, you all right, mate? Finally, the weekend. So yeah, can't complain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so before we get into things, um, we've heard the bad news of some more air show cancellations, which isn't really the news we were hoping for at this point, considering of you know the roadmap and obviously Fairford was cancelled and things like that. Um, uh, either of you guys got any feelings towards these cancellations? Are they right? Are they justified? What do you reckon? Well, um, I mean, I know we're jumping off the, uh, the subject quickly, but um, obviously today being the, the ninth of April at the time of recording, um, obviously we had the news, the unfortunate news of the passing of uh, the Duke of, uh, Duke of Edinburgh, which is a real sombre moment. Uh, a lot of people around the world are very upset about what has happened. Um, so from all of us at our Geeks Assemble, like to wish our condolences to the Royal Family and people around that know him. Going back to your question, Andrew. Um, yeah, I mean, there was there was a hype for Blackpool Air Show, I believe it was. And then that got pulled all of a sudden. Um, as well as Southport, I believe it was, it was, was pulled as well. Um, again, I mean, they're, they're a few months out. And by the time those air shows would have been happening, we would have been looking in the June, July period. And with the way the roadmap's going in the UK, that time period, we would have been out of restrictions, so say. So we would have been, you know, it would have been fine to do. Um, I mean, luckily, Shuttleworth have announced a bombardment of air shows for this season, which are looking very promising. Uh, I think the first one's the 2nd of May. Um, hopefully, I'll be attending that one, which would be nice. So yeah, really, it's, it's it's holding out. I mean, the big one, obviously, Cosford as well to hold out for, which is in September they're looking. So justified, not really. I mean, they're all outdoor events. You know, if we can be looking to squeeze people into a theatre and a cinema to watch a film or a football stadium and be sat next to each other for nearly two hours, why can't we be out in the fresh air with more fresh air at an air show? 
Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, I don't know if maybe some of it has got to do with maybe the planning or things like that. But then again, I don't know how much, you know, obviously with roadmaps and things like that, has it been affected or I'm not sure. It's it's a weird one. But um, Andy, what are your thoughts on it, mate? Yeah, just kind of going back on what Ben was saying in regards to the air shows and the planning aspect of it, where I agree we're definitely outdoors. The problem that I see with the planning and talking with people that I know in airshow development and planning, they were actually talking about Fairford um, today and yesterday, believe it or not, where it was the case of, yep, we're outdoors. But then again, some of the countries that are being invited to us aren't going to, well, not, aren't necessarily going to be out of lockdowns. And also the fact that they're planning on sending over their uh, military or their military wings. And also the fact of social distancing when it comes to the um, air shows. While you've got the aircraft, you could br- kind of widen them out a little bit, which would work on the showgrounds, but you're still going to have a lot of that interaction. And then as they fly home, that that military wing flies home, they could hypothetically be bringing back the virus themselves. Like I know with um, Denmark and the Dutch in particular, they're planning on do- still planning to go to shows, but kind of having a more kind of distanced approach to um, displaying their aircraft on a static display. Um, again, for air shows for myself, I'm, I am planning on events near the end of the summer when Ireland in particular will be coming more out of lockdown and hopefully more people will be vaccinated as well from uh, the Irish part or Irish section of it because at the moment we're behind on the vaccinations, unfortunately. So shows that are planned here in uh, July, which is Bray, kind of the, the big one on the scene over here, um, they haven't announced anything, but yet the military is still planning on um, going in and planning for it at the, as it currently stands. Yeah, ideal. No, it's, it is a weird one. I get exactly what you said there as well. Like obviously, these air shows aren't just about us and the RAF. Just because we're looking like we're out of it doesn't mean these other countries that have been invited are. So that makes sense. Um, but yeah, um, so before we continue, uh, I was about to say a shameless plug, but to be fair, what we're doing here is quite nice. So we've actually created and had produced um, an AV Geeks Assemble um, patch. So Obviously, as the members, we get one each um, and we're obviously donating money because um, for every patch we sell, uh, we're raising money for the RAF Benevolent Fund. Um, so, yeah, go and have a look. It's on our social medias. Um, check it out. It's, um, you know, our, our logo as a patch. Um, so have a look. And if you're interested, all um, all proceeds are going to the RAF Benevolent Fund. So you'd be doing a, a good thing if uh, you're happy to do so. Um, but yeah, um, that's it on that. Before we introduce our guest for this episode, we want to emphasize once again that our opinions are entirely our own, and that does also go for any of our guests, either today or in the future. So now that's out of the way, it's time for our guest to join us on this flight. We're still not quite sure on the final destination, but we'll see where it goes. So with us today is a lady with some amazing aviation photography and some brilliant, inspiring Instagram stories. It's Vintage Dakota, a.k.a. Carly. Hi, Carly. How are you? I'm good, thank you, apart from losing my phone on Dartmoor today. Yeah. I mean... Nice double walk today, just trying to find that. Yeah, it was, if anything, it was an excuse to stay out for longer. No, 30,000 steps today. I'm on one. 
<laughs> oh god. <laughs> well, good luck to you with that one. I've heard of people finding their phones in weirder situations, but uh fingers crossed you can get that back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for joining us on the podcast this week. Um so could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, how you got into aviation firstly. Um, and then how you then got into photography or were they pretty much at the same time or how did it all work for you? Well, it's interesting actually, because I think I've gone the other way around to most people. So, um, photography came first, um, and aviation photography secondly, um, actually my main interest is history. So, um, when I was a very young girl, um, I used to ride horses professionally and the lady that I rode for, um, used to tell us, uh, stories about when she was in the war. Um, and I just found it really fascinating. So World War II for me is a really fascinating era, uh, along with the Tudors, but clearly they didn't have aircraft. So um, <laughs> yeah. they used to just kill each other. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I kind of got into that. And, and also as a youngster, I really battled with my weight. So because um, of my shape, I didn't suit modern fashion. Um, you know, when all your friends are kind of wearing skinny jeans and you don't you can't fit into them, it's, it's quite uh, demoralising. So... I think that whole era for me just it it sort of screams class and uh, the fashion fits my body and I just find it interesting and not so much we teach history in school and it's all dates and um, politicians and politics but actually for me the history side is is the humans that were involved and um, their individual stories that's that's very much how I got into history Um, the aviation so photography then came very late on um, mid twenties really I was bought a Canon. 400D okay, yeah. uh, with a Sigma lens. I had a, a 7300 Sigma lens. Um, and, and I would take photos of my children. I've got two boys. Um, and you, you'd put them on social media and people are like, oh, you know, you've got a bit of an eye for this. And I never edited them. Like editing was a whole new thing to me. Um, and then probably early 2012, 2013, um, I was walking on the moors actually with a friend of mine and her husband was based at Bryce Norton. And um, actually it goes a bit before that. We were, we were at Plymouth Air Show. My gosh, so that was 2011 when the Dakota, which I didn't know it was a Dakota at the time, flew around the headland. And I took some photos of it on my rubbish camera, which I found out later had mould in the lens. Um, oh and I was just in love with this aircraft. It, it, just the sound of it, and the way it, it it was just graceful, the way it came around the headland, you know, we'd had all these other aircraft come through, we'd had the Red Arrows come through, um, we had had um, search and rescue helicopters come through, but this was just something different and it definitely kind of caught my attention. Moving back to the Moor Walk, um, so my friend's um, husband introduced me to somebody um, who worked in the RAF and he said, oh, he'll know what that aircraft was because um, I've been told it was a Lancaster. That's what I've actually been told. Um, and I said, oh, okay. I said, oh, yeah, it's um, a big old warbird thing came flying around the headland at Plymouth. And he said, oh, that'll be our Dakota. And I said, oh, okay, what's a Dakota? And he was saying, you know, went on to tell me what the Dakota did and told me about the um, flying nightingales. So being a bit of a, a reading geek, um, I came back and read up about the flying nightingales and what they they did and how they went behind the enemy lines and they they didn't lose a single soldier. So these women, these nurses, were flying behind enemy lines in France and recovering all of our troops, not losing a single one, and they were flown on on the Dakota. 
Then came the year with the two Lancasters, and this is where the aviation photography really um, kind of kicked off for me. So uh, this friend that I'd made on the moors um, was an, a flight engineer on the Lancaster for BBMF. And he pinged me a message on Facebook and said, you need to get to Dawlish Air Show. Um, take the boys, because you're never going to see this again. You're never going to see two flying Lancasters uh, escorted by Spitfires ever again. It's something that you need to go and see. So I was like, oh, okay, like not really into planes, thinking, all right, but historic, let's go and do this. So took the train up to Dawlish. And I, can't, I cannot describe the emotions that were surrounding me. Everyone went quiet. So you had all these Merlin engines from two Spitfires and two Lancasters. And men, grown men, were crying just from the emotion of these aircraft. And I kind of stood there and I thought, this is, this is something kind of special, you know? This is really, really uh, snazzy. So with my rotten Sigma lens, I took some photos of the two Lancasters. And as you do, you, you ping them off, don't you? On Twitter, I think was the big thing then because Instagram hadn't really started. And, um, and they got picked up by a local paper and they were printed. And then that, and I was kind of like, ah, okay, this is like, this is interesting. So then you start using Instagram and then you meet, meet your people. So um, people like Anton, Anton Cook, he got in contact um, and uh, Jason Gardner um, started saying, you know, this, this is a thing. People actually go to air shows and they take photos. So I upgraded my kit. Um, so for my rubbish 400D, I ended up with a 7D uh, Mark One with the 100-400 Mark One lens. And that was it. Um, my first show was at Abingdon that year. So it was 2015. Um, was was the first my first what I call season as an aviation photographer as opposed to just someone who never even knew aviation photography existed like you know it's not something that's put out there like you can do photography and take photographs of aircraft um, it certainly wasn't put out there so yeah so that was my journey into aviation photography that's class that really is that's so cool is all yeah you basically almost in a way fell into it with your love of other things yeah, and it's it's an interesting as you as you meet people, and, and you know, for me, aviation community is is so broad. Like people come from many many walks of lives, yeah. and um, it's always fascinating to hear how they get into it. Um, I think I'm unique in the sense that I have no connection to the RAF, so I've never had a desire to join the RAF, and I don't have any family. I live in Plymouth, so all my family were naval. Okay, um, but you know, warships aren't my thing I wouldn't want to <laughs> one of those um so yeah I think it does it baffles some people and um as to you know why does this uh female um want to take photos of aircraft you know and I'm always on really honest um interesting that like with your name the, the Av Geeks I always get a little bit offended when someone calls me that because and it's not because I think there's something wrong with the word but I think it's offensive to people who are really passionate about the aircraft as in they know every single thing they'll know what engines in it they'll know which pilots flowing it yeah uh, you know i see these uh, people posting photos of the red arrows and they know which pilot is in which aircraft and i'm like okay i don't have time for this like yeah. <laughs> that's not what i you know what i'm into but um those are the people that are really passionate about the the aircraft side of it so for me it's very much about bringing something different to aviation photography and what yeah. I've always tried to do is, is make it more artistic. So I think I got heavily criticised in my first season um, because I turned a red arrow photo into black and white. And oh. 
And people were like, whoa, 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 no, you just you just don't do that with the red arrows. And I was like, well, actually, that's that is what I want to do. So um yeah, it's it's, it's quite interesting. Um my, my route in is 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 very different. That's the thing with photography, there's no in a way, there's no right or wrongs. It's not up to other people or the norm to tell you how you should or shouldn't edit a picture. No. You know, no, you and and also with posting so some people post on instagram and they and they will you know give every fine detail of where the shot was taken um you know what settings their camera on that's great if that's the way you want to post that's fine so for me what i try and i try and do is i try and link the photo to maybe something that's going on or maybe how i'm feeling at the time um so i think i think there's a, a difference between just a photo and then taking it somewhere so it becomes a bit more emotive yeah, no, no, absolutely, absolutely. Because uh, people, it, uh, this might sound bad, but sometimes people take it too seriously, like in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, the, for the majority of us, it's a hobby. Um, so when they start trying to get into it, and then you know, it, it can be taken a bit too far because I think people forget that there is emotion and usually a story behind a lot of these shots, anyway. Yeah, and also like uh, everyone's everyone has financially input. If you go to an air show, they're not cheap. Yes. Um, so interesting, you were saying about how do you feel about air shows being cancelled? Well, they're not cheap. They're not cheap to run. But if we are having to scale them back, and you, and you can say, well, actually, you can only have a thousand people on the showground. Ticket prices are going to go up, and actually, that will then put a lot of people out um, from from attending. So I experienced this quite early on. That there was. Um, the whole thing about how many followers have you got you know oh my god they've got more followers than me and you get a bit paranoid or how many likes you know i joined instagram in the good old days when you were getting a thousand followers a week and your 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 like count was way over five six thousand you know your photos were seen and we've seen that declined and actually linking into the mental health side of things the amount of people that kind of lost the plot when instagram changed their algorithms and they were like what's wrong with my photo? Because yeah. now I've only got 500 likes and I used to get 5,000 likes and yeah. I'm only getting two or three followers a week and I used to get 1,000 followers a week. So, um, yeah, it, it, I think people can become too kind of engrossed in it. Um, the whole needing to be published thing is is also quite interesting, you know. Um, that that's People feel that that's the, the epitome of um, being an aviation photographer, but... You know, I've sold five or six masks in the last week in America with an aviation photo on um, for, for Red Bubble, and I still get excited about that. Yeah. Um, so I think people can lose the enjoyment when they focus so much on, you know, notoriety. I mean, it's, to be fair, that's a good segue into the next point, which obviously, um, you know, as, we, as we've said on our Instagram, um, you're at Vintage Dakota, uh, which obviously we must, must say we do love the content, the images, obviously the stories. Um, but obviously, as you were saying, obviously about mental health, you're, you are very much into your fitness and mental well-being. Um, so how, how did that sort of come about? Or is it something that's been gradual? Or Yeah, it kind of came in two waves, actually. Um, so I... I've got two boys and after my first son, um, I just remember waking up and thinking, like, I feel different. Like this, I'm, I'm not buzzing. I should be overwhelmingly in love with this child. And actually, I just feel different. Uh, I put on a lot of weight as well, which um, I've always, like I said, I've always been honest, I've always battled with my weight. So, um, but you troop on 
because people tell you, oh, that's what being a mum's about. You're tired and, you know, whatever. And then my second son arrived and and then I was thinking, okay, this this really isn't right. Something's got to give here a little bit. So I went to the doctors and they um, actually I was really lucky because other people's experiences I've spoken to the go to answer is, oh, look, pop a pill and you'll be fine. Like his pills. And um, he sat me down, this doctor, and he's like, you know, what's wrong? And I was like, I just don't know. I just don't feel like me anymore. And um, he was like, well, why? I was like, well, like I'm three times the size. I feel like an elephant. I'm really big and I feel really heavy and I'm, I'm miserable all the time. And then the next minute I'm like uncontrollably like hyper. And he was like, OK, it sounds like postnatal depression. So we can do two things. We can tackle the main root of the issue, which is actually the fact you don't really feel happy in your body at the moment to go and exercise that will also make you feel happier or I can give you this pill so I was like I'm going to go down that route so I started running at that point um which was kind of a bit of an outlet and it was a really good time to just partition all those things that are going through your mind and make that decision of is this relevant or is this something I need to actually look a bit deeper to so um so that was that and so I you know became a runner and then about four years ago, um, post-divorce, um, post another relationship breakdown, um, I went just into a very dark place, an extremely dark place. So I ended up um, with something called um, sleep paralysis. So you're asleep, but you're kind of paralyzed in your sleep and you have these awful dreams where bad things are happening to you, but you can't defend yourself because you're you're kind of paralyzed in sleep so so that was kind of awful um and it it kind it made me feel weak for the first time in my life like I couldn't defend myself um so I started lifting weights um so I went to the gym and I started lifting weights and I love it I would rather go and lift weights in a gym than run for miles so, you know I just think it's so empowering for well for men and women really to kind of build that body strength up and and know that you can um you know be fit and strong and happy I guess because that's ultimately what came out of it so um so yeah I I talk openly about it um it's interesting that you know you mention to people for the first time oh I've had counseling and they go like are you okay now kind of thing yeah um but mental health and I've, I've seen it a lot this year with the children that I work with um mental health is 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 like your physical health if you don't work at it you will become unhealthy. Um, so it's okay to have those days where you just feel like you can't get out of bed. That's that's fine. It's about whether you've got the tool to get yourself out of that. And unfortunately, someone doesn't really have those tools. They will stay in that lull for a long, long time. And then it becomes even darker and darker and darker. And that's where you, you see people really falling into the pit of, of depression. So yeah, I do talk openly. And again, going back to the Instagram thing, People would uh, message me and go, I, I would never have known. I would never have known that you were feeling that way. And that's because on Instagram, I can put out whatever image I want of how my life feels like. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why for me, it became really important to be open about it. And, and you'll be surprised how many people will then enter your, your DMs to say, God, thank God for that. Because that's exactly how I feel. And but I'm going to go and get some help now because it's normalized it's okay it's okay yeah. to feel that way yeah i mean obviously correct me if i'm wrong because obviously I, I probably don't see it as much as you but 
it, to me, it looks as though people are more willing to do that nowadays, as in like be open and speak about it than they were maybe even maybe five years ago. Yeah, definitely. I think there's still a stigma around it, though. Um, I think it's a generational stigma. So um, yeah, there's a, there's a certain generation where they they still take that sharp intake of breath when you mention counselling or um, getting help. Yeah. I think the younger generation are getting better at it. Um, but I do think they have more outs- external influences that affect their mental health. Yeah. Um, so body image for, for one. I mean, if I was a teenage girl living now, um, I had an eating disorder when I was younger uh, because I, I was a competitive horse rider and, and someone made a comment about the size of my thighs once and that, that sent me into a spiral. But if I was having to daily look at these images and think that's what that's what good looks like that puts a lot of pressure on people so um but again like you said I think there's a shift there I think there's more PTs out there now who are online who are normalizing um in body image they're showing girls that with the right lighting and the right pose anyone can kind of look you know good um so it is it is turning I work with young children I work in a primary school and you know this this lockdown has been a godsend for some of them they've they've actually for the first time spent some quality time with their families um, who've been furloughed but for those who don't have that support at home it's been awful you know they've kind of the last year been fending for themselves at home so um yeah it's definitely a mixed bag but hopefully you know we are normalizing it and I think the more people speak about it then you know the better that will become yeah I mean obviously with all of this being said if if you could send you know, a message to the young people, um, you know, uh, boys and girls, or, you know, what what would you say to them? If if all of them would hear what you had to say about mental health and well-being, what, what would you say to them? I would say to them, find your own dream. Don't go chasing someone else's dream. So find your own dream and don't just go, okay, that's my dream, but actually make a plan. So I'm big on lists. There's actually a list behind me now. So this is my three-month <laughs> yeah. three plan. Proofs so, in the pudding. Yeah, if you if you can visualize where you want to go and then micromanage the steps to getting there. Um, so when people say to me, oh, I want to lose a stone, I was like, well, let's focus on the first two pounds and then ne- the next two pounds, because you know, stone can feel an awful long way away and it can be quite demotivating if you're not getting there very quickly. So, yeah, for these for these children to dream big and to look outside the box. You know, if I was at school and someone said to me, you could be a professional photographer in the military. Well, that would have been quite a good job to go for. But yeah. I went to a grammar school where everyone became doctors, lawyers, um, surgeons. You know, they 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 weren't happy with me because I wanted I actually just to annoy them, told them I was going to join the army. Um, and they were like, oh, don't be so ridiculous. Um, and actually ended up doing none of it. But um, yeah, it's, it's just to dream big and look outside the box. You never know what you're good at. And I say this to my own children. Like, how do you know that you're not the next Olympic archer if you've never picked a bow and arrow up and had a go at it? Yeah. Um, you know, everyone wants to be a footballer. Everyone wants to be a YouTuber. Um, but actually, there's so many great roles out there that you can do and and add value. You just kind of have to look outside the box. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. No, that's that's an awesome little message to go by. Like, um, 
And I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. To be honest with you, it's, um, that's that's really nice. Thank you. Um, I think that works for adults as well. So I'm, you know, I turn forty next month, and um, I'm going back to university in September. Nice. So you know, it, it doesn't stop at being a teenager or in your early twenties. Like at any point in your life, you, you know, you you can be anything you want to be. Yeah, so, I guess that, that conveys the message of it's never too late as well. Absolutely. Well, I hope not. <laughs> I'll let you know in September. Yeah, all right. Well, good luck with that. Um, sat in a classroom with 20-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, right. No, good luck. That's awesome. Thank you. For everyone else, um, if you have listened to our previous episodes, uh, you'll know by now that uh, we think the best way to get to know our guests and for the listeners to get to know Carly is to play a little game. Um, which, or to be fair, strange placement because we've just got really deep there and now we're about to ask you if you like tea or coffee. But it is what, you know, you take the big with the small. Like speed dating. Yeah, yeah, right. I normally answer these first. Though. I don't go in heavy and tell them I've had a counsellor because they tend to run away. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Well, we're still here for you as well. So yeah, excellent. Cool. I haven't scared um, you. But yeah, so, and, He's going to do the honours on this one. Um, he's going to be doing the rapid fire this or that round for you. So we get an idea of what you do and don't like. So let's see if we get any, uh, you know, controversial answers like we did with panic. Oh, um, no. Do you want explanations or do I just literally answer it? Um, feel free to hit it with a quick answer unless okay. you feel strongly about one of them. Okay. So, yeah, again, Carly, we're going to go. I'm, I'm not too harsh on these. So, tea or coffee? Uh, tea. Mm. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Best one to go for. Yeah, Instagram. I don't, like, I don't trust cats. I think cats are a bit sly. Yeah, so, yeah no, I don't trust cats. I completely agree with cats. While I used to have them years ago, I would agree with you. You just don't know what they're going to do. No. That's uh, why I like them. <laughs> just or wait. What they're going to bring into you at two o'clock in the morning. True <laughs> <laughs> that. That's why I don't trust them. <laughs> Facebook or Instagram? Uh, Instagram for photos, Facebook for personal life. Okay, that's quite an interesting one. Um, again, I would agree, kind of the personal life, definitely, on uh, Facebook, kind of keep it a closed network. Yeah. Um, music or podcast? Uh, podcast, I'm really into podcasts. I listen to them when I'm walking. So, yeah. Nice, good answer on here. <laughs> yes, I'll be touting this one. <laughs> <laughs> um. Netflix or YouTube? Oh, Netflix. Although I'm, I'm kind of into Disney Plus now because they've got Grey's Anatomy on there, so I'm watching that at the moment. And they've got a couple of old, a couple of other good ones coming back that are uh, back the early two thousands as well. I do also think I sing like a Disney princess, although I don't really. But in my head, I sound like a Disney princess. <laughs> <laughs> I like Disney. I'll leave it to uh, Ben to ask you to give us a line then. <laughs> 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 um, iOS or Android? Uh, iOS, apart from the lost one on the dark one. We can no longer be friends. Mm, <laughs> uh, health food or junk food? I should say healthy, but I really like junk food. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> a restaurant or a fancy nightclub? Oh, a restaurant. I don't like nightclubs. Yeah. Too old for those. <laughs> Running or cycling? Running. Easy. <laughs> Not cycling. Wow. No yeah. hesitation. No, no I hesitation. Don't, I don't get cycling. Your bum hurts and your legs ache. So you <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have a good saddle, then you're all right. Yeah. Not uh, bum. <laughs> uh, 
um, adventure vacation or one of those relaxing chilled out vacations no i think yeah adventure i definitely want to go on some adventures i haven't really traveled much actually so that's on my list of things to do but yeah adventure all the time i would agree with you adventure or kind of air show season best ones to go for well air show season was my vacation and it cost me just as much so um yeah yeah i've had i've had two three years actually i've saved some money this one's gonna be an easy one for you Dakota or Lancaster? Well, Lancaster, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Dakota, of course. Do you know, Winston Churchill said that, he, that we wouldn't have won the war without the Dakota. Interesting fact for you. Agreed. Um, I've actually restored one of them um, when I was living abroad, and I absolutely loved them as well. When he said it earlier, it was just kind of like, hmm. The vomit comet, they call it, they don't know. But the smell of her, so I'm very lucky I've been to BBMF and, and been inside her, and, and she just smells amazing. Like oh, no, they are a smelly aircraft, I agree yeah. completely. Yeah. Um, especially during the restoration process if you haven't or if you've gotten them when they're in their rough raw state they absolutely stink as soon as you get them running there's that really nice kind of you got the all the lubrication oils all that uh, avgas uh, sorry not avgas um, all the aviation fuel you're laughing it's a a great aircraft she's a beauty I call her mine as well the BBMF one (laughs) my aircraft I I do regularly tell them to um, look after her She's quite temperamental, actually, which is a bit like me. So I think they're kindred spirits. (laughs) Would you rather a base visit or an air show? Um, Air show. I call base visitors, no offence. I call them fence huggers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it's a really weird thing because my first first experience with base was Coningsby. And I just, I just didn't get it. I was just like, I don't get it. Like while we're peeking through a fence, um, um, a typhoon taking off. Um, so yeah, air shows for me. I, I am quite picky. I like to be near the runway, um, particularly like React. So I've been lucky at React because I've, I've been able to go into hospitality. So you don't have an, you know, I'm quite short. I'm five foot five. And at one Yeovilton air show, I had two six foot five Danish guys stood in front of me. It was not a nice experience. So um, to be fair, at five foot five, you're still taller than a couple of our members in the group. <laughs> we won't mention any names. <laughs> it's hard being five foot five though when you're short. But yeah, I just muscled in between them and kind of good effort. Yeah, got my shot. It's it's hard being six foot four because you know you end up bashing your head on doorways or you're trying to get into a plane and you're like two foot taller than the plane. Yeah. <laughs> I got braver actually as the seasons have gone on i've got brave so i just tap people on the shoulder and i just go excuse me can i stand in front of you and they're like they usually yeah and then they just rest their camera on my head <laughs> like i become like a human tripod nice <laughs> would you say props or jets oh, for your next props. one yeah. <laughs> thing is as well from a photography perspective like jets for me they can offer great things obviously because they deal with like you know they fluff up and things like that but um technically i don't find them very challenging um, apart from the time that I forgot to change my settings, um, I was up the um, air traffic control tower at Riyadh and I forgot to change my settings. BBMF had flown past and I was on a low shutter speed and then um, Zeus came up and I'd never seen Zeus before. And um, I yeah, basically only got one photo of it, which was on a slow pass because the rest were just big blurs. Um, um, so, yeah, but no props all the time. It sound better as well, I think. Oh, I, I will agree. I I am a sucker for for warbirds. This is something about a thumping radio engine. Piston panders. I completely yeah, agree. That does anything more than a, a jet. I mean, you'll probably agree with me, Carly. All jet engines sound the same. Oh. You've got the difference between a Spitfire 
And I don't know if you've ever heard one, a Daimler-Benz engine 109, mm. there's such a difference, or a C going at full tilt. There's just such a, a different note to it than than a jet so I'm going to probably get a lot of hate for it but I'm, I'm more of a sucker for water. this is going to cause some division I think because even I'm sat here just being torn apart by it because I've not heard any of them for so long but I'm buzzing to hear my first jet engines again well see as a, as a you know, I've done a wing walk so you couldn't do that on a jet so it's got to be props anyway so that. More useful. <laughs> but that was amazing so they obviously they start the engine while you're stood on top of the wings so yeah. um you're signing, you're signing all this stuff and it's like, might result in your death. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> might result in your death. Oh, okay, that's fine. Just get me up there. Oh, wow. See, I wouldn't be able to do a wing walk. Definitely not. Purely because, again, you're quite close to the prop and that thing spinning, just uh, even on the startup, would just scare me. Yeah, so they, they said, oh, if the engine fails, it's fine, we'll glide, we'll glide back. But this is how you get out of your harness. And I'm thinking, if the engine fails and you're gliding me back to earth, I've got a choice now of... of Sliding back to earth and undoing my harness. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't have done either. I think I'd have just screamed all the way down. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to go again because once you've done one, you can then do aerobatics. So I, they took me just beyond vertical. They're not allowed to take you right over on your first one. Okay. Um, but I was dressed as Wonder Woman. I was having a whale of a time. <laughs> and I was like just waving to everyone. I thought I was, a, you know, one of the professional wing walkers. That's I don't, awesome. I don't have their flexibility, but I was like, I was up there and I, I was pretending. And, um, yeah, they did say next time they're like, oh, you if you go again, you can do full arrows. So that's all. Oh, that's really class. That'd be really, really cool. And they're great there. You know, the guys there, they really do look happy. So I highly recommend them. Nice. So when you're finished your ring walk, would you rather Coke or Pepsi? <sighs> I'm a I'm a Pepsi Max cherry girl. <laughs> so there's a, there's a bit of a story to this. I when I do long runs, I crave Pepsi Max cherry which is ironic because there's nothing, there's no sugar in it. Um, but it's just the taste that I really crave. So I put this on my Instagram and um, Science and Sports sent me a load of their gels, which are cherry flavoured, and it actually tastes like uh, Pepsi Max cherry. So I'm a happy bunny now. So. Nice. Science and Sport saved the day. But um, yeah, Pepsi Max cherry is definitely the way forward. And for when you've had your Pepsi in your co- or your Coke, <laughs> would you rather... Just on those chill evenings, TV or a book? Um, books. So I'm not a big TV watcher. Um, yeah, books. And I, I like reading his, history books, but I'm really into self-help books as well. Um, because I think you just understand more about yourself. And I think there is a book, though, for, for everything. So if you convinced yourself you wanted to be like veganism, veganism is the way forward, um, you'll find a book that supports that, but then you'll also find a book that kind of contradicts that. So you have to be a bit careful, but um, I'm not a vegan, by the way, in case anyone's wondering. I tried it, <laughs> I tried it and I'd, I'd failed massively. Um, but yeah, books. So I, I, I read a lot about um, Outswitch is one of my mm. interests. And I recently read um, a book, um, which was about a, a um, a British soldier in Outswitch, which I never knew. I never knew there were British captives there. So that was quite interesting. Cinema or theatre? Theatre. Musical theatre is my thing. <laughs> I'd love to I'd love to be able to sing so I'd be on stage. I mean that's just a dream job. <laughs> Tone deaf. Here's one. And this is gonna probably split people down the middle. Winter or summer? Um autumn, is that an option? Um so yeah, I, I like autumn. Um I go for winter though. I'm not very good in the heat because my hair goes 
bananas. <laughs> yeah, I get that problem as well. Mine yeah, 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 yeah. Well. I bet you do, yeah. Um, and Andrew yeah, gets that problem with the beard, you know. I do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, my hair goes mental in the sun and I tan I tan very easily though, so that's quite nice. Um, I do like having a tan, but I, I like to be able to wrap up rather than you know, be too warm. I hate being warm. Hmm. See, I'm I'm literally I'm counting down the days until we start getting a bit of consistent warmth. I'm not built for the cold at all. <laughs> I think it's just I'm a bit sweaty, and I don't mind. Like you know what I mean? Like you get that you get that sort of sweaty glow, don't you? Because I'm active. I don't. Yeah. I'm really miserable. If I go running in the sun, I'm, I'm the most horrible person to go running with in the sun. Well, that's where you're going wrong. What you've got to do is sit in a sun lounger with a cocktail instead then. Well, I tend to paddleboard in the summer, so yeah. Oh, all right, all that. Yeah. You better again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Living near the coast, it's got its perks. Yeah, exactly. And for photo editing, would you rather a Mac or a PC? Uh, yeah, so I use a Mac, actually. It's just literally broken in the last um, oh, three no. weeks. So I've got to replace it. Um, so I do use Mac. Um, I've never edited on a PC so I, I can't tell you whether it's any different or not but I've always had a Mac Wine or spirits? Don't really drink um, but I'm a gin girl so it'll have to be spirits Nice, best way yeah. to go Yeah Now, uh, this is an easy one you've already answered it Canon or Nikon or Sony? Well, I'm, I'm Canon and Fuji actually um, so Canon for aviation and I use Fuji um, the mirrorless lenses so the XT range for wedding photography nice um, so yeah so I've got I've got both um, but I would never take the Fuji to an air show because it's just not quick enough not quick enough <laughs> no 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 you'd yeah you'd, you'd get the photos from the following week probably yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you something in, in, the, in the few years that I've done aviation photography I don't think I've ever once heard anyone mention Fuji as a no. a brand within photography. I remember them as a you know the little Fuji, you know, the click one you yeah. disposable cameras. What was it called? Pix, wasn't it? Yeah, the yeah. F- Fuji Pix or something like that. Yeah. It's hard to believe I started with actually one of them. It was one of their bridge cameras. Um, when I did commercial aviation instead yeah. of going down the airshell line military. And um yeah, no, you're right. It took forever to kind of Go to the net or for your FPS is really really low. On and and Cybeady, he he used Pentax, I think, at one point. So um, I think we've managed to convert him now. That I think he might be on Canon now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, we've talked about your favourite airframe already. Uh, I think it's. I'm pretty sure everyone's kind of guessed what it is already. <laughs> um, yes. But apart from that, any favourite airshows or any other airframes that you you enjoy to see or you wish you'd have seen? Um, so air shows for me, my absolute favourite is Yeovilton, um, which shocks a lot of people. But um, I actually do like photographing helicopters, um, and I just like the variety that you get. So it's got a nice atmosphere at Yeovilton. So I do love Yeovilton. Um, and then, whilst I don't always love my photos from Riyadh, um, it's great for socials. So. I think anyone that's in aviation photography would say that, you know, a large portion of it is around the people and, and who you meet and who you catch up with. And React's always good for that. Um, so, yeah, that's my favourite. Um, oh, dear. Favourite airframes apart from the Dakota. Well, anything Warbirdy, really. Um, I think, you know, the, the sound of a Mustang, you know, tearing down towards you is, um, is pretty unforgettable. I quite like the biplanes as well. I really, what I haven't done is I haven't been to Shuttleworth. So that's on my list of things to do. I know you were talking about Shuttleworth earlier. Um, so um, Darren Harbour always keeps saying to me, you know, you need to get up to Shuttleworth. And I go, yeah, 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 okay. 
and it always seems to fall on a weekend when I can't get there but I think I think this year they're probably going to be the only ones offering me anything that I can go and shoot but um, I'd, I'd like to go and look at some of the old really older stuff that they have there um, and photograph those um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, shot of work. I've got some absolute classics there, and some, and some very rare airframes. I think there's only like a couple of them in the world, like the um, the Comet. That's yeah, very nice. That's a very nice one down there. We've got quite a few um, biplanes down there as well. Going back to early softworks and Bristol there that are, you, know, you could probably throw. Them you don't the see them. See that I would like an air show season with those sorts of aircraft are now back again because I very early on in in my career of you know aviation photography i went to duxford and you had um lost gladiators and now i don't think i've seen another one since if i'm honest um well, I think there is only just there is only just one in the uk correct me if i am wrong but yeah i think there is only one yeah. that's actually serviceable and flying in the uk so it would it would be nice and i think i think air shows need to become more diverse so um you can't just keep running jets up runways and then you know them flying around you need to offer something else so we had um Richard Goodwin fly his biplane at Plymouth with um the strike master yes I'm seeing that and that was an amazing combination and then at Abingdon one year you had him coming down the runway racing a Jaguar car and it's like it's little things like that that I think we kind of you they need to start thinking a little bit more out of the box a little bit yeah, so, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, like you said, with, with Fairford, Fairford seems to be very he- jet heavy. And then you go to somewhere like Duxford, and Duxford is very warbird heavy. And that's, you know, they need to kind of intertwine the two, like you said, and have a mixture, more of a mixture. I mean, yeah. I mean, we had the Heritage flight, didn't we? Um, you know, a couple of years ago at Riyadh. Mm. You know, and that, that was brilliant um oh yeah everyone loved that one especially with the paint scheme of the uh of the typhoon matching the spitfire it was um it was very nice so yeah so i, I think they, i definitely think there's a bit more variety i think there's definitely things i have i haven't seen um for a long time that would be nice to see again awesome um so going on your your travels and your photography career should we say um, who inspires you for not just your edits, but the way you take your photos? Well, very early on, I was very lucky because both Jason Gardner and Anton Cook kind of took me under their wing. Um, so they, they sort of wingmanned me for the first um, few few air shows, really. And, and we carried on being friends all the way through. We They got me camping one year at React, which was hilarious. Me trying to put my hair up in like a 1940s style in the morning when I'd been camping one night. It was a bit uh, amusing for them. But um, they didn't help me put my tent up either, which was very rude. Um, <laughs> outrageous. Outrageous. So I was very like, unchivalry. I, I pulled the girl card. I was like, I am a girl, you know. And they're like, yeah, no, you're not. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, they were really great. And actually what they sat me down um, at air shows and, and explained photography because, um, you know, I'd, I'd been shooting um children so it's very different um to be shooting jets and, and explaining okay when you've got props you want to you know worry about your shutter speed when you haven't got props you don't need to worry about it so much you might want to look at your aperture so um, um they were really great and about framing and then and then post-production so they kind of introduced me i don't use photoshop um never used it don't get on with it um i so i use lightroom to edit all my photos in um 
and that's another thing I love about aviation photography is you know if there's a if there's a little bit of grit and dirt in the photo as in if it looks a bit grimy that's okay when you're shooting babies you you can't have that and it takes yeah. hours and you're you're airbrushing things out and um so I do kind of like the sort of quick and dirtyness of aviation edits um yeah, so they, they were really, really good. Um, in terms of photography, um, I've spoken about Darren before. So Darren Harbour, obviously based uh, predominantly at Shuttleworth and Duxford. His air-to-air shots are like, are dreamy. Um, yeah, he's, and he's such a lovely guy with it as well. So he's he's been great um, and really helpful. Um, and actually, people like Cy Beattie, um, who doesn't understand how great he is, um so he he plays it down an awful lot but you know he's he's a great photographer um and he can photograph most things you know not just aircraft either and I think that's a skill as well I think if you're able to photograph more than one genre um then that shows real skill behind the camera um and then we're a small minority as as women um but you know there's some great female photographers out there and we don't we don't always get um kind of the limelight as um as men as much as other people but i don't think that's because it's a female male thing i think it's just there's not many of us and um you know we have to kind of work quite hard to, to kind of get noticed so um so robin for example and obviously claire's done very well with her photography um as caroline so there's, there's a few of us out there and i think it's you know it's good to see what they're doing and pushing the boundaries a little bit as well yeah definitely there's, there's definitely a lot more um so girl, girls definitely coming onto the scene now that are uh, you know, enjoying aviation photography. Um, like you said, it, it for the last few years it has been quite heavily male. Yeah, and I only have to look at my following. So my following is um, something ridiculous like ninety-one percent male. Yeah. Um, people would argue it's because I sometimes put bikini shots on, but I don't think it's predominantly <laughs> that. I just do think that that is the demographic of aviation. I think it is a, a, you know, still seen as a predominantly male um, arena. Um, so, and, and I, I still do think as well, women, I, I grew up with three brothers, so I tend to get on better with men anyway uh, in friendship circles, but women are still learning to kind of champion other women um, without there being that kind of jealousy to that. And don't get me wrong, we've had some awful things from men, um, you know, in our careers. And, and any, any aviation photographer you speak to who's female will tell you the same thing. Um, but, yeah, you do sometimes get it from the women as well, and it's, it's that kind of green eyed monster. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, a lot of the time, that, like you say, that's down to the individual themselves, isn't it? Um, which is a shame, and you, you'll get it in, you know, whatever you go into. But... I guess that also comes into play with what we were saying about like mental well-being. It's a case of, you know, being stronger than what's said by those, like you say, green-eyed monsters, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, you know, I've had things said about me, um, which I know would never be said about a man because of what was said. Um, and you just kind of like think, and that, that actually came from another guy. And that, and that was just jealousy. And that was all over because I, I got offered the chance to go and sit in, in the Spitfire. Yeah. Um, Would you say that that's, uh, that view is being challenged more nowadays or, or do you not really think so? It's, it's not being challenged enough? Um, I, think, I think as women, we're challenging it. 
Um, you know, I'll certainly will not hesitate removing anyone from my social media who is quite derogatory in that way. Um, but I think other guys don't challenge it. So they hear it, you know, it goes back, you know, to the fence line. Some of the things I heard at the fence line were quite shocking. Um, but, but it was all lads together and they were all laughing about it. And it's like, well, unless one of those who stands up and says, I don't think that's right, or I don't think that's appropriate, then it will continue. Yeah. Um, so it, it goes back to a little bit of like this, should women walk on their own thing? And, you know, that for me became a bit laughable in the sense of I wouldn't want a guy thinking he couldn't walk past me in the street because I think he's going to be, you know, uh, going to assault me or something like that. Yeah. Um, but as a female, there are there are things that I do to protect myself when I'm out walking. Yeah. So um, until that kind of that, script changes um then there's going to be no harmony there yeah yeah no no that's yeah again very you know a powerful message and hopefully everyone listening does take things like that on board because obviously things like this are a good platform you know all right we're not breaking millions of views and things like that but at the same time if we can get through to anyone then that's what we want really yeah i mean and don't always listen to what you hear and this is the trap i fell in um there were there were things being said to me that another female photographer had actually said allegedly said, and I just took it as rote. So then that became like a bit of a war. And then when we removed some of the confusion and we sat down as adults and talked about it, um, it was like, well, actually, I never said that. And yeah. you're like, oh, okay. Um, so it's uh, by challenging. I think you know, you do go out there and if you hear something, um, you know, you guys must get it as well because you've you know got a large following now, and that will threaten some people. Yeah. Um, always ask the question, you know, because people are going to be honest or they're going to lie, but generally they're going to be, you know, they're going to be honest about them. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. Um, no, for sure. Um, well, continuing on with some questions, um, we've got some uh, questions from some of our followers. Obviously, we put it out there. Obviously, once we knew, um, once they knew that you were our guests, we've got a couple of people to ask some questions. Um, so we had one from um, R to B Photos. I'm hoping I've pronounced that right. Apologies if not, bud. Um, so, uh, is there an airframe that's no longer in service that you would like to get shots of? Mm, yeah. So this stems back. So my very first early childhood memory of an air show, um, like I say, living in Plymouth, we used to have a regular one here. Um, I think I was probably about six it was raining I remember that because I had this awful yellow anorak on and my um, licorice torpedoes had melted down my front so I remember that quite vividly and my mum kept going on about this bowing aircraft this aircraft that was going to bow and this roaring noise came in from the sea and this aircraft hovered and bowed so it was the Harrier so um, yeah for me like to be able to photograph that I think the F-35 was like the closest I'm probably ever going to get (laughs) Yeah. Did you um did you not manage to catch the Harriers at um Riyadh um in 2019? No, I didn't go in 2019. Oh, savage. No. Oh, yeah. well, fingers crossed that they come back again. That'd be nice. Yeah, so I think that would be like the one for me. Um I think also the Hawker Tempest. I okay. think if they can get one of those kind of flying again. Um yes. there's rumors, I think. There's a few so. rumors there uh, flying around uh through the restoration scene of at least uh, one of them coming back. They've got two, well, sorry, there's two being restored, but one is more likely to uh, be in fl- be put back into flying condition. 
Yeah, so that that would that'd be pretty cool. Now they were quite, um, I think they were quite uh, difficult to fly um, from having read about their kind of history. So um, they tend to crash quite a bit. So that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to ever witness that again. So I witnessed um, a very minor air crash at uh, Abingdon one year. And I, I just, yeah. That showed humanity. That showed how people behave in certain circumstances, which was a bit of an eye-opener. Because you had those of us that kind of, you put your camera down and you were a bit shocked at this aircraft that just comes skidding across the floor towards you. And then you had people taking photos of it. And I was like, that's someone's that's someone's husband sat in there and you're sticking that all over social media. Yeah. Um, so I felt quite uncomfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I experienced the same at Duxford. I can't remember the year. I think it was 2011 when... Um, Big beautiful doll crash, well, crash a sky radar went a bit too OTT on the power and hit the back of uh, a P 51 as they were breaking to land. And everyone kind of stopped and watched. And then you could just hear, yeah, as people. And you're like, at, at the time, the Mustang was going down and there was no shoot coming out. And everyone was like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Luckily, the pilot got out unscathed. Yeah, and the, the sky radar made a perfect landing with quarter of its wing missing, but you could hear quite a few rumbles from the crowd. Going, why? Why are you taking photos? What happened if you didn't get out? Yeah, and it was like, oh, I would have deleted them, but it's like, would you know? I mean, that's like you were going back to earlier on about social media and how it's stuff like that, unfortunately, that gets the attention. It's the the clickbait, so per se, you know, plane crashes into fireball. And then it's like, well, yeah, but someone died in that and you're you're pumping it so you get your your buzz, your feed, your likes. Um, but it is it comes down to the 60 seconds of fame thing again, isn't it? Like and that's yeah. what social media promotes and, and and anything that's you know, even down to the X factor and, and things like that, they don't always last. It is just it's a short burst of fame and and everyone seems to to seek it at whatever cost and it, it just made me feel very uncomfortable and um you know you've got when you've got friends who fly um the last thing you want to do is read about it uh inaccurately on social media so um, and that happens quite a bit uh, around incidents um there's been a couple of pilots um i know over here same thing one unfortunately died but going back four years ago in a crash uh rehearsing his display for um one of the irish air shows and the media took a spin on it again used photos from a couple of the photographers that happened to be at the airfield watching his rehearsal and it, ultimately a lot of us that knew him were like wait till the uh, final inquiry comes out and um, yeah. in the end of it it was actually a control rod had failed and he ended up going in due to that some people were like, oh, well, the engine wasn't uh, running when he hit the ground. There was lo- loads of things, things lying around. But then again, like uh, Bray Air Show 2019, uh, Dave Bruton in his uh, Yak uh, was one of those things. He does um, nearly a flat spin and he does seven rotations before he pulls out. He bought, uh, Guys, that's the photo I posted uh, to you guys a while back where he nearly bottomed out. But in a flat spin recovery, you're meant to be nose away from the crowd or parallel to the crowd. He was nose on. So if he had a recovered, especially in the panic pull, if you see the video on YouTube, you can see he was in the secondary stall. He would have went straight into the crowd line. Again, yeah. people, all you hear is the click, 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 taking the photos, uh, waiting to try and get the perfect shot. Um, so again, people kind of need to watch in aviation photography, also what they're catching, I think, 
And, and generally, they're the first people also to complain when display lines get moved back. So, you know, in in the shadowy days that followed Shoreham, mm. the people that are generally those that are posting these photos were the first to be complaining about the impact that that had on on the air show season. So, you know, you, we've we've got to protect it. It's it's you know, it feels like it's a it's dying a little bit. It does feel like air shows are kind of they're dwindling. We're losing great air shows every year um, because of costs and things like that. So, um, you know, we need to be the champions for it rather than be out there posting, you know, sensational photos um, when we don't, you know, say it doesn't always have the full story that goes with it either. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. Um, so this next question does sort of link into something that we've spoken about already, but um, g.edmeads underscore photo. Again, sorry if I've absolutely butchered your Instagram name, um, but they've asked, um, would you like to see more female photographers involved in aviation photography? Yeah, I would. I would like them to be there for the right reasons, um, which would be either for the love of the aircraft or the love of photography. Um I'd also like to see younger people coming through, like, and I mean a lot younger. So I, I would like for us as a community to be kind of reaching out there and, and saying to, um, you know, children and, and late teens and females that actually there's this whole community out there that you can get involved in. And it's, you know, it is diverse. It is, it is welcoming. Um, if, if you're in there and you're kind of setting the level. Um, I think it's sometimes, and then this doesn't go just for, for females. I think some people come in, and they think they can post a couple of Instagram photos, and then they, you know it's going to take off for them. It's not bad pun, wasn't it? Take off, um, but it's <laughs> it's not always like that. But yeah, I definitely want to see females. I think it's hard. I do think it's hard for females. Um, like I said, I think it is getting better because we are starting to challenge it as females, and also men are starting to challenge the behaviour. But um, you know, when I first started. Um, it was, it, I, you know, I've got thick skin and I was there because I was passionate about what I was doing. I think if I was slightly hesitant about what I was doing or I was um, new to photography, I think it, I wouldn't have lasted a season, if I'm honest. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I know I really do encourage it. And ask questions. And this goes for anybody that, that joins it. There's no such thing. I always say this to the children I teach, there's no such thing as a stupid question if you don't know the answer. Yeah. So I do find some people can be a bit condescending on social media. Yeah. Um, when someone asks a question, it's like, oh, God. Yeah. Like, oh, you should know that. Or it's on YouTube. Or Google it. Well, actually, they're asking. So, you know, sometimes if, if you're like me, you kind of you want other people's opinions. You want to draw in from various different sources. So um, I think we, we, again, as a community, need to work hard at like, not shutting those, those people down and making sure they do feel welcome. Because, again, ultimately... If numbers dwindle, we're going to lose more air shows. Ticket prices are going to go up. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, we do need to feed that. It is an obsession, isn't it? You need to feed that obsession, really. Yeah, because the thing is, like you say about asking questions, I think a lot of people would rather speak to a person than read an article or you know read or watch a YouTube video. I think they'd yeah. rather hear, you know, how did you get this shot, or what can I do to get a shot that you got, or to get this, as opposed to being told Google it or YouTube it. It's nice to hear from other people how maybe they've done something. Yeah, and and you know, I do Q and A's on my stories, and I get asked a broad range of things, and and 
I can guarantee that every time I do one, I'll get asked, what is my camera setup? Well, actually, if you, you scroll through my news feed, you can see what my camera setup is. It's there. But, you know, I'd never go, oh, just look from a news feed. Um, I always tell them, you know, what it is. And then, you know, someone might ask, well, what shutter speed do you use for a Spitfire? Is it different if you're shooting a Mustang? Is it different if you're shooting a jet? And you'll get asked that multiple times. But if they've never seen it before or they're new to it, then, you know, you just need to keep putting that information out there for them. Um, so I've got, I've got no issue with it. But I do, you know, sometimes I do. I came off Twitter, actually, because I, I just, ugh. Yeah. I just, it's very it's, it's, it, 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 it is. Be, it's, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, it was dangerous, I thought, at some places. So, yeah. Yeah, always ask questions. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, ben, you had a couple of questions. Um, so in your photography adventure, what's been your most challenging shot to date? Okay, I think it's probably the one that the, that most people chase after. Uh, so it's being in exactly the right spot, exactly the right time to take the firewall with any helicopter in front of it. So for me, it was uh, the Apache. It's my favourite helicopter. Nice. Um, nice. And I was very lucky. So it happened at Yeovilton for me. Um, and Anton and I walked the line, <laughs> basically trying to work out where the pyros were. <laughs> and then he very gracefully. Um, stood out my way so I could take the shots. That was really sweet of him. Um, and that was the same year that the, uh, was it a Mer- I think it was a Merlin, it might be in a Sea King, I can't remember now, um, had flares and um, the, the two things kind of happened quite quickly. So I managed to get the shot of, uh, of the fireball and, and then again um, of the flares going off with the angel wings coming out beside it. Um, so yeah, I think everyone chases after that because you do have like I've I've got so many copies of that shot um, where you just have to be slightly out and you don't get the full wall. You get half a wall, you get half the aircraft. So um, everyone that I speak to as well, that's that's kind of the money shot they're always after. Yeah. Oh, the other the one I've never got, the one I've never got because I don't I just and I've even worked out now. I have geeked out on this a little bit. <laughs> worked out which side they come from, but I've never got a perfect red arrows crossing shot where they're kind of nose to nose. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never had. So that one still eludes me. I put it down to the fact that I don't really like jets, so I don't really try that hard. <laughs> oh, wow. No, as I said, I don't like jets and not the red arrows. It's very <laughs> there. So I'll, I'll be unfriended by quite a few people. Yeah, um, right. But... Yeah, so, yeah, for me, the crossing of the Red Arrow is, is the shot that I'm chasing. I think everyone's chasing a shot. I mean, I'm there's one shot I'm, I've been chasing for a few years, and I've missed it twice. Um, it's getting a spitfire on a, on a wet start. You get the flames licking out of exhaust. I've missed it once because I shot too early. And then the other one I shot, and it didn't flame, it smoked, and I was I was gutted. But yeah, like said, perseverance will pay, pay off, and you know, we will. Get so it my favorite my favorite shot of that is um is Graham Taylor's um fiery start. So he's got a, a fantastic one. So um I, I think he's GT photos on Instagram, but uh, another really nice person as well. You know, professional photographer who's got lots of time for people. But his his shot is particularly it gets stolen a lot. His shot. <laughs> so quite often his inbox gets filled with all of us going, oh your shot's been stolen again and it's not been credited. Um but uh yeah I've never actually seen a Spitfire start up with with the flames they've they've never had flames when i've seen it so 
it is something to never the whole. That, but yeah, never had that opportunity. So another question going on the lines of your of shots. What is your best ever shot that you have taken in your personal opinion? Hmm. Okay. Best Usually shot. me that asks that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's stolen. Yeah. Um. The one that the one that goes mental on Instagram isn't my favourite shot, but the one that goes mental on Instagram was um, Nat Makepeace flying the typhoon in wet conditions at Riyadh one year, fully loaded. So the the typhoon was fully loaded, and it just um, basically sloughs out um, quite magnificently. That I don't know why, but it's on a grey day, grey jet with grey stuff. It's like for me, it's nothing special, but people love it. Um, I think my favourite shot was the. Um, wildcat at Yeovilton with flares because it does look like angel wings coming out from it um and then oddly I met the pilot at, at um Chris Suckling's wedding so Matt who was flying it um he got introduced to me and he was like oh were you at Yeovilton Airshow and I was like yeah I was at Yeovilton he said oh, I was flying the wildcat with flares and I was like huh here's the photo <laughs> nice. so that, was, that was quite nice I had a really strange experience at a wedding I was shooting, actually, when another pilot who was the last year's Wildcat pilot was a guest at the wedding, and he came up to me and said, are you vintage Dakota? Random. Class. I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> Please, without, no photos. But without the filter, so I probably... <laughs> <a different>. <laughs> no one ever recognised me. I think Robin said to me once, I think I was sat next to you on the crowd line at um, Cosford Air Show. I said, oh, yeah, you were. You were like three people down. She said, yeah, I didn't recognise you without the filter. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't throw anything heavy at it. It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Class. Yeah. Um, Andy, have you got any questions to add at all, mate? Yeah, so here's one for you. It non your or sorry, non NATO kind of aircraft, what would be your the shot that you want to get of an aircraft that's kind of not part of the NATO alliance? Anything in Nothing. particular? That all sounds a bit modern to me. All right. Okay then. <laughs> so yeah. Let's go let's go back to when, you know, aircraft was made of paper and then I'll be a bit more interested. True. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, to be honest, there's there's not I don't have a wish list anymore and mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes me feel a bit sad or whether it, it just makes you feel very grateful. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really, I'm more now focusing on the, how do I get around the display lines being too far away and I'm shooting with a 100, 400 and everything looks like a small dot. Um, the, my days of chasing things. So I remember chasing the Vulcan in its last season, like trying to get a good shot of that. Um, but that doesn't really fulfil me. So yeah, I don't. I don't so much have a wish list on that. Sorry, that's a really rubbish answer, isn't it? No, that's uh, again no such thing as a silly answer. So delete that one out. Class. Carly, have you got any questions for us at all? Well, I'm very intrigued. So I know what what is your goal? So I talk about goal setting. So you've obviously set this. Um, you know this community up what were you hoping to get out of it what's your your goals with it so to be fair this question was sort of asked to some of our members i think in episode zero on the pilot um and to be honest with you one of the best answers that we got from that which again there's nothing wrong with it being asked again because it was such a powerful answer was from martin and his answer for that was to inspire people um you know to get to the next generation and show them that this community is welcoming 
Um, don't get me wrong, every community does has its pitfalls. I'm not going to sit here and say everyone's perfect, but to inspire people, um, to show them that you don't have to have thousands of pounds worth of equipment to be a photographer um, and to just enjoy the hobby and what, what surrounds it and the fact that not only do we have this hobby, but you can make so many good friends out of it. Um, yeah, and you're but, building a very strong platform, aren't you, now to send that message out to people. Um absolutely. Do you think you will change your model of how you're, you're operating or do you, do, you, do you see this as your model of how you're going to reach those people? We may have to adapt as things change because, as we know, like algorithms can change. So we can go from, you know, again, I don't mean to say this as the way that you were saying when it changed, people started questioning themselves. But as for reaching people, we may need to adapt to make sure that our message is maybe getting sent across um, and that we can reach those who are looking for that extra sort of push. Do you know what I mean? Um, ben, Andy, would you would you agree with that? Have anything to add? A hundred percent. I mean, as, as some of our listeners may have gathered, and especially on social media, Avgeek's Assemble started by Martin putting up a simple post on his story back yeah. in 2019 about meeting up at a base. And from that, we set up a, a group chat on Instagram. And since then, it's carried on going. We've added more friends in. We've built, a, I wouldn't say we've built a community, but we've given into that community that has given to us. You know, that community has given us hints, tips, tricks, information. Then we're now being able to give back to them what they've given to us so you know they've given us tips on the best shutter speeds the best locations we're now we've taken in that we've taken the photos and now we're sharing it out to the community and like like you said like martin said in the in our first in the pilot episode you pardon the pun full of puns today we, we are it's fantastic <laughs> um <laughs> we want to inspire the next generation that are coming up behind us. But as well, at the same time, I feel that we sometimes inspire the generation that are in front of us that are, you know, in, I'm coming from like a 30 year old perspective, but the, the people that are in there that are 40, 50, 60, that may have only just started getting into aviation photography after maybe serving in the, in the armed forces for many years or, living under a flight line or have a, a relative or someone that is interested in aviation photography, then they, you know, sown the seed and they want to get involved. And I think the way we're doing it at the moment with the, the pages on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, and now the podcast, I think we are, we're pushing really well. And, you know, I, I think we're doing a, a, we're doing a good job and everyone else, that is paying attention, I hope, is enjoying what we're putting out and, and is learning from what we're, uh, what we're well, about. As a mother of teenagers, I think you need to uh, in, investigate TikTok because that seems to be where they're all at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been saying it for a while. Our member is doing the dances on TikTok. Perfect. Hon- it's all going to work. Honestly, <laughs> I um, we, I had a young a young teacher come and join us, and and he's a lot. You know, he's seventeen years younger than me. And my first question to him: Right, so are you Instagram generation? Are you <laughs> Snapchat generation? Are you TikTok generation? Because there does seem to be like a preference um, on where you go. I mean, I remember MySpace. So you know, 
Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really old. MySpace my and Bebo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so my last question for you guys then is around um i read something quite interestingly so do you feel hashtags work on instagram it really depends it's like the algorithms i think in regards to hashtags is constantly changing constantly evolving because people are using say a certain hashtag a million times and then the algorithms change where it may have previously been the top spot and now it's just falling somewhere in the background and you, you're not getting the notice from it. Again, I don't focus too much on the hashtags because I've learned that sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. So it's sometimes I find posts with no hashtags really hit hit home and then other times they don't. Yeah, it's really interesting because that's, that's the experiment I undertook a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I, I was from the old school of I used to keep my hashtags in my notes on my phone and I would copy and paste them in. Same, yeah. And then, then it's like, actually, this isn't getting the reach I want. So I'm going to just try using different ones or not use any at all. The other thing that I found quite interesting on Instagram is I made my account private for two weeks and I had more likes on my photos because it was actually reaching my following as opposed to just being out there in the ether so that was that was also quite interesting but i I just can't be well i'm a bit skeptical i won't follow anyone that has a private account um only because i've got caught out in the past and some of the content really made my eyes bleed so um (laughs) it's a bit rude um so yeah i i I have a general rule that i won't follow an account that's private yeah i think that's you know if you're if you're if it's not personal stuff on there, then I don't see the problem with an open account. Yeah. Um, it was one of our school rules that you weren't allowed an open Instagram or any open social media, but they kind of bypassed my aviation because clearly it is just aviation, so there's no harm in, in that at all. Yeah. I think also going back to the hashtags, we have we there is a way of doing so that I've been trialing again. We've mentioned him a lot, but Martin is he loves doing his research and uh, and looking into helping himself and us as well. So there's been a few times that he's trialed things and if they work, he said, you know, try this. So what he tried was using hashtags that had different um like amounts of reach. So you know when you type hashtag and it says, you know, 1.4 million hits and things like that. Apparently there's a way of doing so where you you almost have like a few of them that only have 100 use uses and then yeah. a few more that have 10,000 uses and then a few more that have a million uses and things like that. And it almost helps like boost you up into a bit of a higher like uh into the reach and um you know the views and things like that which is very interesting to be fair um so yeah i I think they can help it depends how you use them i think uh, i don't think i'm speaking myself when i say i have seen a shadow ban myself when you use your same hashtags and all of a sudden you get four likes there you go, all right, maybe it's time to switch things up again. But I've never had yeah. just four likes. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the early days. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I completely agree with you, what you're saying now, Andrea. It, it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Carly. Um, I think now, especially with social media, it's almost becoming like you were saying about the whole body image thing, that what you see is what you're aiming for. A lot of people, excuse me, a lot of people, when I watched a, a, a snippet of this, like ironically on Instagram, um, of a user who is just posting normal content, but actually seen his mental health deteriorate because he was chasing 
the likes. He was chasing the followers all the time. And he said it was getting to the point where he was sitting there. At, like He'd wake up at seven o'clock in the morning. And the first thing he'd do is he would sit and scroll for an hour and, and like and, and comment and post. Then he would post a, a thing at a specific time every single day. And he said he got to the point where he was mentally ill because that's all he was thinking about. And it was distracting him from his his family, from his friends, from his work, because he was, he was, he was, he was chasing that. And unfortunately, I think since Instagram have changed the algorithm and are constantly changing the algorithm, it's going to keep doing that. You know, what they need to do is just leave it as is, like it was before, like you said, where you could just post a shot and you would get all your, all your likes. Yeah. And I think it's really hard for business as well. So aside from the vintage Dakota page, I've got my, my wedding photography page I, I do with my brother and we don't advertise. So all of our business comes through social media, whether it be Facebook or Instagram, but when algorithms keep changing, that makes business really hard. So my brother is a very technical sort of person. So he, he got very caught up in the whole insights, um, right? We need to post at, seven o'clock on a Wednesday evening and that's when we're going to hit you know the 18 to 35 year olds and and what have you so and I do, I do think you're right I think it could become quite obsessive and and with them changing it all um it just makes it tricky really and I, I do worry I think that I do worry for the next generation you know I, I grew up with no mobile phones so when I went and did something stupid as a teenager it wasn't captured anywhere um <laughs> But, you know, they do. And that's that's the life they're leading. So it's, I think it is about education. Uh, we had a really great um, talk from a guy who is part of the police force and he, he's in the cyber side of things. And when he sat there and, and he said, right, I'm going to take this selfie. It was a picture of himself. And he said, I'm going to send it on WhatsApp to my friend who lives across the street. So the photo travelled across the classroom. But as the photo travelled across the classroom, there was another photo behind it and we had to keep it and he was demonstrating that your photos don't just go from a to b they go a b c d e f 150 servers around the world have now got that photo on it mm-hmm. and copyright free and copyright's the other thing that's um and i think this is how i kind of got on your guys radar and when i posted about when people post other people's photos and don't give credit yeah that's actually really rude and is, yeah with accounts like yours where you do do that, what's nice is that I think yours came up on a, on a sponsored feed for some, you know, because I wasn't following you at the time, but I, I'd seen this amazing photo by this photographer, but I wasn't following him. So it actually gave me the opportunity then to go into his account, saw that the rest of his photo, it wasn't just a one-off, it was a great photo. And, um, you know, that that's now added value to my feed. Um, but not everyone does that, and that's a shame. Yeah, it's something actually... <laughs> that we are we, obviously that you're never going to be able to police it all but we have got to the point now where people will send us pictures and say is this yours because we've done the same for other people we've sent a picture and gone is this yours because they've yeah. not credited anyone and a lot of the time you'll find yeah yeah that's mine and we've now got group chats and things like that you put it in the group chat you say go and tell this person this is the credited photographer you know credit them or take it down if at some point later on down the line it's still not being credited and they're ignoring then it's time for a report and block i'm afraid because you're stealing people's work yeah 
Yeah, and I think that's what the aviation, again, community is very good at. You know, we do stick up for each other and we do protect each other's work. And Definitely. Yeah, okay, we're putting it on social media, so it is actually, it's a bit of a free-for-all, but um, it's not it right. It's, it's the ethics behind it. Yeah, it? yeah, it comes down to respect, because the amount of times we've seen pictures that the, um, you know, the watermark or the logo has just been cropped out enough that you can't see it. and. Yeah you're not going to get away with it. Like people yeah. recognize these shots. And it became a really big discussion for us about three or four years ago. Um, we were sat at an, at an air show actually. And, and Anton was like, I'm just not even going to bother watermarking mine now. Just not even going to bother. Cause what's the point, you know, people are still going to steal it. Um, whereas others, you know, do it quite discreetly. Um, but you're right. Mine's, mine's always at the bottom corner of some description and it can be easily cropped out, but <laughs> I think when you're editing in a way that's maybe a little bit unique and you've got your own style, um, people will pick that up and um, they'll, they'll definitely come to you. Yeah, because it's one of those with watermarks. It's, it's one of those where you want to protect your image, but then at the same time you think, if I put this watermark across my image, it's going to ruin it for me and everyone. It's, it's one of those double-edged yeah. swords, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you're like... So, yeah. Um, I won't name them because they do it very well, um, but they actually put it normally on the wing of the aircraft, two or three tones just slightly darker than the colour of the aircraft, so it's very discreet. Yeah. And and one of his photos actually did get sort of used elsewhere, and they they were adamant that it was their photo, and it was like, just blow it up. If you blow the photo up, you can actually see that there's this watermark on the wing. <laughs> yeah, You're going to get found out at the end yeah, of the definitely. day. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, have you got any other questions for us? Or I think that's it for me. Yeah. Talked a lot. Nice. <laughs> yeah. No, no worries. No, that's great. No, we've really enjoyed it. Um, again, you've been a great guest. So thank you for that. We appreciate your time. Um, and that just about gets us back to base after another flight. Um, Carly, we hope you have enjoyed it and there wasn't too much turbulence. It's very good. Nice smooth flight. <laughs> Yeah, great stuff. Um, we'll go around the group so you can find us all on social media. Um, guests first. Carly, do you want to in, in, let us know like what um, social media platforms you're on and what you're Yeah, having? so I am on Instagram, Twitter. I've gone back on for my sins and Facebook, um, all as Vintage Dakota One. Um, and I'm going to plug my wedding photography, which is Devon Rose Photography. So. Nice, nice. Okay, nice one. Um, ben? Yeah, same as always. It's uh, Ben underscore aviation underscore photography. Nice one. Andy? On Instagram, I'm Andy underscore Garland one. And then you can get me on Twitter as Andy Garland as well. Nice one. Um, I myself, Afterburner Aviation on Instagram and Facebook. Um, obviously, we must plug the AV Geeks Assemble page as well, uh, which is on Instagram and Facebook. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us on episode six of the AV Geeks Assemble podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, please drop us a DM on Instagram or join the Facebook group if you want to give us any feedback, which to be fair, you have been doing anyway, um, but it, it just won't ever get old. We really appreciate any feedback. So thank you. Um, so in episode seven, we will have another special guest um, on the podcast. This time, we'll be speaking with a rotary wing driver who is based in the southwest of England and loves to cycle around all of it when he's not flying around it. 
So if you can figure out who we mean and would like to get your question answered by this mystery pilot, then please DM us on Instagram at avgeeks underscore assemble, or we will start a topic on our Facebook page, which once again, avgeeks assemble for you to post your questions there. So thank you again for this week's guest with Carly. Uh, We look forward to seeing you soon and hopefully at an air show. Take care, everyone.